0: Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelous.
1: Hey, what's up? This is John McLaren. I play Star Lord in Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy.
2: And I'm Daryl Purdy, and I'm the Cinematics and Animation Director on Guardians of the Galaxy. And you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson.
0: Bam.
3: Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelist, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick, and Eddie Wilson is still on assignment in Latveria. I hope the little fella is okay. But before we get into the usual rigmarole of introducing our special guests and special guest co-hosts for this one, we want to tell you all at home how you can get hold of us on them with our social medias. Well, first off, go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at... The Marvelists. You can find us individually on social media, myself on Twitter and Instagram, at Peter Melnick. I'm on TikTok, God knows why, at Peter Melnick, but better, because you see the other Peter Melnick was taken, and well, I'm an ass. You can also find Eddie Wilson on social media, on Instagram, at Eddie9193, and on Facebook. Just look for the Eddie Wilson with the sunglasses, and I assure you, there is in fact an Eddie Wilson with sunglasses on Facebook. You can also find us on all iOS and Android devices when you end up going for different podcasting apps, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, among many, many others. Like I said, wrangle that RSS feed. We will travel. Or. I don't know where we go with that, but this joke has already died. Anyway, you can also find us on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, five star if you're ever so inclined, and much like the broken ice cream machines at McDonald's, five star or four stars, sorry, four stars and below just does not work. I mean, you know, they gotta make they
0: gotta maintain those uh machines, right, TJ? Yes, correct. I thought where you're going with it is uh, we will work when we say we work, but it's probably not going to work most of the time. 99
3: percent, yes. But also be sure to go to patreon.com slash themarvelous and support the show for as little as $3 a month to as much as (laughs)
0: (laughs) – Yes.
3: (laughs) That is an indelible amount – not indelible, but you know what I mean, just an insane amount To give to us I mean we'd appreciate it You know TJ You'll get some of the money too now You know
0: Yeah and we love money It's uh, the season for giving So hey money (laughs) It
3: absolutely is But Like I said, $3 to as much as you want. $3 gets you early access to episodes, including this here fine episode. You also get for $5 two bonus shows, one called You Haven't Read That, where Eddie Wilson reads comic books he's never read before that really he should have, such as Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, among many others. And in the month of December, Rob Liefeld, the co-creator of Deadpool, helped curate the one that we're going to be doing where we talk about Micronauts one through twelve by Bill Mantlo and Michael Golden. Eddie's read them. I haven't. Well, until this recording, and gotta tell you, spoilers. I liked it. But also the other bonus show we have called Fantastic Voyage, where Eddie and I both talk about all one hundred and two issues, not not at once. Just trust me on that. But all one hundred and two issues of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's legendary, iconic, and even fantastic run of the Fantastic Four. And also, let's see what else. Oh, just tell us you love us. Also, tell us you love us by going on belowthecollar.com the marvelous and get the dad joke immune t shirt. Because, God willing, if you've made it this far, you are in fact dad joke immune. So, now, first off, let me introduce the special guest co host for this episode, my buddy TJ. TJ, I've known you for a number of years. And You've I'm sorry heard, to
0: hear that, yeah, sir. Well, but.
3: On both ends, I guess, but you know, you've heard me essentially sit in your car in the past and do long form podcasts. That kind of counts.
0: Yes, we have, and it's way better than us singing
3: in the shower. So yeah. Well, we did sing Limp Biskin in the car once, and like note for note, by the way, of my way, and it was both really sad and really amazing to watch both of us do that. Again, word for word.
0: Correct, correct. And that is definitely something you don't have to subscribe $10 a month for to hear.
3: Well, no, that's $12. That's the $12 tier that is not available yet. Oh, darn it. Well, hey, always next year. Now, joining us on the other end of the Skype and string, not Tin Cannon string, but the Skypen string, we are joined with Daryl Purdy, the cinematic director of. Guardians of the Galaxy from Square Enix, as well as John McLaren, the voice of the legendary Star-Lord in the game of the same name. Gentlemen, good good evening. Good evening. How are you guys?
1: Thank you for having us.
3: Absolutely, and big thanks to Square Enix for helping set this up. We're really excited to talk to you guys. Just as much as I was excited to play the game when I first heard about it, got to play the game I believe it or not, I have still not beaten the game. I'm one of those slow gamers where I'm just like, no, I want to take my time. I want to process as much of this as humanly possible. TJ's actually looking at me like, really, you didn't finish it?
0: Yes, I thought I was the only one. So very uh, highly anticipated. No complaints of it so far. Just haven't beaten. So,
3: Wow, both of you guys have not beat it yet, right? I'm very, like I said, when, uh, when Spider-Man for the PS4 and now PS5 came out, I was like, I want to take my time with this. People beat that game within a week. I'm like, no, I want to let this marinate and enjoy it and be able to experience something I love. And like I said, you know, Spider Man's one of my favorites, but The Guardians of the Galaxy more so. And you know, if you're playing the uh, marvelous drinking game at home, I'm about to mention it. I have a Star Lord tattoo, so I kind of think I have a little bit of a bias towards this, just 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 a little.
0: Well, I'm not that hardcore, but I'm sure I have my Guardians of the Galaxy boxers somewhere that I was purchasing a few years ago <laughs> somewhere i'm really good glad luck. you guys
2: are, sorry uh, i'm really glad you guys are taking your time with it because i find the magic of this game is if you'll kind of sit back and take your time because you get to really experience uh, the guardians banter and then the like uh, the group dynamic it's really great I, I took my time playing it as well i mean i've played it a million times now by the time of finishing developing it but when i had my first playthrough i took my time as well so
3: this is one of those games that when it was announced, I had no idea this was going to happen. And it was a beyond a pleasant surprise. Yes. How did this like how did this all come about?
1: Uh, Probably a question for you, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: questions. You got them. Well,
2: I, I guess for my uh, like our I, – I know I, I'm not trying to like diminish – you know, are part of this, but it was kind of a small part because, you know, from what I gather, this was a talk between Square Enix, and I don't want to speak for other people, but it was a talk between Square Enix and and Marvel, dating back a while ago, right? So from the mm. the the beginning of it, I don't know. That's for the studio heads to to kind of like give that, but it's been in it was in the works, or at least discussed for a while. Um, but. Really, at some point, you know, the contracts are signed or whatever, and, uh, you know, we, we got the call, you know, to, to develop this. Um, so for us, we've been on it for a few years, but uh, I'm sure the talks maybe were longer, um, but I'm not privy to those meetings. They're about my pay. pay.
0: <laughs> Which I actually I just it. showed up. I actually appreciate that a lot more because I know Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out, like, you know, it did come out a few years ago. 2017. So. 2017, right, I was going to say there. Um, and I know we have, like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 upcoming soon, but... As well as the holiday special, which <laughs> is mind-blowing to realize. Of course, of course. It's great that you didn't, like, overshout It's like, boom, boom, just make everything all clump together. So within that time frame, like, you know, between movie, game, and everything... Is there anything maybe that you wish like could have added into like or just things that you maybe wish like, you know, kind of like came along at the same way? Like, did you prefer coming out at a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a gap or would you have preferred it to come out like right along with it? Because I think the spacing was great.
2: Uh, Well, for me, I, I kind of really liked where it sat. But again, it's because, you know, what was great about Marvel is when when they were talking with Square Enix, they were very clear from the beginning like this is you know your a new take on the guardians right it's you know we have this great history of the comics we have this great cinematic uh, um universe that's been set up but at no point was it like oh we want you to kind of fit in line with this it was kind of like no this is a beloved franchise and we want to create a new space in you know in video games with it so they gave uh, us at, at at Eidos, a lot of kind of leeway to put our own creative stamp on it. And mm. I think that was what was great is you, we we definitely as we were developing it, we tried really hard to to pay homage to the comics and to the MCU when we could and make it, you know, fit in that sweet spot where it's familiar um, to casual fans that might be MCU fans. And it's also has some deeper cuts for the comic book fans. But really, we try to create our own space. And, and you know, to be very honest, I, I, I feel we found that sweet spot where it is familiar and it is, you know, it's the it's the kind of like the contemporary Guardian um, group. But we were able to put our own spin on it, which I thought was really nice. And and so I think it's situated really nicely in between kind of the other Guardian things that are happening.
3: And in regards to, you know, making it its own thing, that was one of the first things I noticed. And when the soundtrack, like the tracks were first being released, I'm a diehard fan of the movie. And to the point where, you know, I know like James Gunn's cutoff point for the first two movies. He would always say, It's as long as it doesn't pass 1979, that's fine. That's why when the Telltale Games came out, I saw the you know track listing like Eh, there's some Hall & oats from the 80s. Why is that in there? I'm very <laughs> anal retentive, as you can tell. But um, <laughs> one of the things that I did notice, though, was there was a there was more of a reliance on 80s tracks than this. And I went in, I'm like, oh, no, they're doing their, that thing. And then I realized it is its own thing to the point where characters are their own different interpretations from what the movie version is. And it made its own beautiful kind of thing of its own unique identity. It borrows from elements of the movie. It borrows from elements of early versions of the characters, you know, pre-annihilation saga. And then borrows from elements of the annihilation saga, borrows from elements of the Jerry Dugan thing, and then also does things of its own unique Identity, and I love that about this game because it became its own version. And again, I adore how Star Lord is per, uh, personified in this game, and a big part of it has to do with John's voice acting.
1: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I
3: think it's um
1: again not to not to mimic what Daryl was saying, but that we had complete freedom. And, and Daryl gave us a lot of free, freedom as a director to to kind of make it our, our own. From day one, we were told this is not the MCU. This is not the comic books. It is an am- amalgamation, if you will, of the different sources. And the kudos to the writing team. They, they gave us a massive um, backstory or Bible, uh, if you will, um, for our game and our unique story and our unique world. And they kind of said have at it and do your thing. And, and, you know, being there day in and day out, Daryl always encouraged us to, to make it our own. So I, I really appreciate you saying that, that I'm glad that it shined through. Um, and not only for my character, for all the characters, Drax, Gamora, Rocket, Groot, um, all the supporting characters as well. I'm, I'm, it's really nice to hear, um, that we got that across in the final product because we we all poured our you know our heart and soul into this to to make it our own and and to to stay true um, to what these characters mean to the fans um, in our own way. So thank you for that. Thank you.
3: Absolutely. And like when it comes to different interpretations of the characters, you know you'll have like I'm a fan of Guardians throughout all the different you know mediums, and I'm mm-hmm. a big fan, for example, of Rocket in the movies. But I'm not really a fan of Rocket in the comics. And then I'm a fan (laughs) of Gamora in the game, but I'm not so much a fan of her in the movies. And I felt like you guys managed to find a way to flesh out these characters in ways that, you know, were not done in other mediums. And I really appreciate that.
2: Well, for me – oh, sorry, John. Go ahead. No, I was –
1: I was just I was going to quickly say I think it's just by proxy of the type of medium that gaming is. I mean, we have, you know, 20. I can't remember what the the complete runtime of the game is on average. But, you know, call it 20 plus hours of of gameplay and story to tell versus if you compare that to film and TV, you're getting an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And, uh, you know, comic books is is completely different again. So I think it's just by proxy of you know the storytelling medium that is video games that you're you're able to to dig deeper or go in a different direction um, than you you know sometimes have time to uh, in in film and t- in television.
2: Yeah, and uh, if I can add to that, um, another thing we kind of have the benefit of in video games uh, sometimes is. In 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 a way, like a lot of the production is still very collaborative. I mean, it can be chaotic, of course, because there's a lot of moving parts. But, like to give an example, is you know, John knows, like he's been playing Star Lord for the better part of three and a half years, right? Because mm-hmm. of our dev our dev cycle, um, what's wonderful is our our creative director uh, Jeff Dugas, and and our narrative director Mary Demarle, like they. They had an outline and a a complete like outline of this story, but as you go, you're fleshing out the scenes a little bit more, and then as you go, you're fleshing out the banter. Um, So you're you're kind of like like writing usually the key moments really early. So you have your tent, your kind of like uh, your your, I guess your main structure of the story, and then you're filling it out. But what was great about that is we would shoot some scenes. And then what could happen is as we started in, in the like performance capture space to flesh out these characters and, you know, and I thank you, John, for, for giving me the compliment of letting you guys have space, but that's how I direct is that once the actors become comfortable and they start kind of adding their little spin and and they get to feel with the character, then Mm -hmm. that in turn can influence writers and, you know, John and, and the cast have said this in, in another interview, but the writers would have like read throughs of the scripts at some point. So when we would wrap shooting on a day, they would be like, Hey, do you want to stay for a beer and come into our writer's room and we'll read through future scripts. And they would invite the cast members to go in and they would start to kind of almost as they looked at the footage we were shooting and they had some other scenes that they were shoring up, they would kind of like have the actor's character's voice in their head and that would influence the writing. So it was this really nice kind of, for lack of a better term, this kind of like circle of life in the production where everybody was was open to being influenced by everybody else's work. And I think all of that together, this kind of like cohesion helped lift the material to an even higher, higher point, which was really yes. worth. And you don't you don't necessarily have that on a on a movie uh, like a film where like you said it's two hours and you know you kind of you get to shooting and you just have to get your footage in so and I, you know mm-hmm. I'm not saying we wasted time but it was really nice kind of organic thing that happened over production just by the nature of stretching out a production over a few years right.
3: And in regards to you know how the characters are and everything, you know with video games I'm not you know sure if this is a thing in there. Is there much ad libbing sometimes when it comes to, you know, working on the, uh, the line delivery? <laughs> Never.
2: I told John oh, yeah. and the rest of the actors, I said, if you ever ad lib, you're out. We've got you're like fired. five other actors here <laughs> ready to replace you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, there was, uh, that, that's what I've, I've said this before, but it, it's, um, this is a dream come true. in in some respects, because as I said, you know, we were given such a great amount of freedom to kind of play and and do what we like. And it doesn't always, it doesn't always land or it doesn't always work, but, um, we were allowed to play around a lot. Like one, one example I can think of was the, um, I believe it was at the reveal trailer, Daryl at the end where star Lord is, is kissing the tentacle. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he kisses the tentacle. He's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. I'll call you. I'll call you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was completely ad libbed on the yeah. day. I was just trying something out and having fun with the with the character, and and uh, to my surprise, it made it into the reveal trailer, which uh, well, put a big put a big smile on my face.
2: <laughs> can I can I say something about that because I find it interesting, and I guess this is just the way I I, I don't know. I guess I approach directing is um, I, I find it surprising that you're surprised that something like that makes it in because for me. Um, I like, I really like the best, best part of my job is collaborating with, with other artists. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's great about this project was right off the page, you know, the narrative team had phenomenal scripts, like just really great scenes with really great dialogue. So you're already starting from a very strong place, right? Like the humor was there, you know, you could feel the tone and then we get in and, and we start putting the scene up onto its feet. And what's great is if you leave room for each creative department, because, you know, I don't know how much um, your listeners or you guys know about production, but, you know, some productions can be very like somewhat assembly line. You know, it's like, okay, this department finishes with this piece, then it goes to that department, then it goes to this department. But what's great about this is if you leave room for each area to have a little bit of creativity, then in the end you do sometimes get scenes that, well, actually more often than not, in my opinion, and in my, in the history of doing what I do, you get scenes that are far greater than what you could have imagined, right? Cause, cause somebody else's imagination builds on your imagination and therefore something you could never think of happens. And, and for me, that moment where John ad libbed the, the tentacle thing, it, it's the moment where, where the story becomes bigger than all of you. And it starts Influencing you and telling you what might be needed or what might be funny. And so for me, when he did that, as soon as he did it, I was like, Oh man, that's staying in. This is beautiful. <laughs> like, cause he stayed in his character and he just tried something. And you were like, Of course, this is so Star Lord. So why would we not keep that in? It's it's a great ending to a scene. So and there there was other areas where, like one of my favorite, it's a tiny one, but I forget what scene it was, but you're making fun of. And this might be a spoiler, but you're making fun of the Magus, and mm. at the end of it, you just threw in a "my man," <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it wasn't in the script. And just the way you delivered it, I was like, "Oh my god, that's gold!" And even later on, I don't know if you remember John, but when we were shooting yeah. the the after credit scene, yeah, at the end, I was like, "Throw in the my man" at the end of this. And yeah. again, so he ad libbed something that we we came back to later on in the game and I thought, Oh shit. Yeah. This is where now I know John has the character. Like he's the holder at one point as a director, it's time for me to step back a little bit and let this thing go because John's got it now. Like he's, he, he's star Lord. Okay. What's he going to do? And yeah, sometimes they don't land. Sometimes they do, but you might as well try it because a lot of times you get gold, like more but often you than need not.
1: That- you need that as an actor that you need, you need that trust from the team. And, and I think that's, you said that you're surprised that I was surprised that that made that, you know, that scene made it into the game or any given take made it into the game that I ad lib, but you don't always, always get that, um, from production to production, whether it be video games, whether it be film TV, um, you don't always get that. And it, it was nice because oftentimes, Mary would would also be in the room while we're filming. Mary, the uh, the narrative director, and you know if there was a note or if there was something we were struggling with, it it, it was a very open, organic atmosphere where we could just go and say, "Hey, Daryl, hey, Mary, like, do you do you really think Star Lord would say this, or or Drax would say this, or maybe this would be their line?" Is like, and it just it came together organically. When you have that level of trust, and and it gives you that confidence to. To try stuff and, and not and not feel stupid for doing it, even if it, it falls flat. And I think when you have that, then you get something really special because everybody just becomes unencumbered and and free to do and try the things that they want to try.
3: And, you know, when it comes to your portrayal of Star-Lord, when you really mm-hmm. think about it, you are now someone's favorite version of this character. <laughs> and it's... Such a cool thing because there are you know already so many interpretations of this character, and you mm-hmm. added your own unique stamp to this, you know, with the business card element and just the swagger and the demeanor.
0: You like, know, like I don't know if you're too heavy into video games, but one thing I really loved with playing the game is way back when I was younger, I used to love like you know the whole Grand Theft Auto series. Like I would feel like okay. I was the character. And one thing that I could do with the video game that I couldn't do, like, you know, from any comic or any movie is it's like, hey, I'm playing as Star-Lord. I feel like this is me. Like, I'm the badass Star-Lord right now. You know, like, I'm making <laughs> these, I'm making these, like, you know, gestures. Or I'm making these comments. And it's just really awesome that, like, you know, when you're doing it, like, you know, just when playing around with it, it's like, okay, I feel like I'm him. I'm the character. Um when you were actually just like, you know, just out of curiosity, when you were mm-hmm. playing the game itself, did you ever come across any moments you're like, yeah, maybe I should have said this differently or you know, just had like those backtrack moments like, hey, maybe I should have did this and then tried to see like if they could add it into the game, or it was just like, eh, it is what it is. Like, you know, do they let you add in any extra comments or anything like that? No, like that ha- I don't I don't Sorry, go ahead, Daryl.
2: I was gonna say that happens on the day. <laughs> John, yeah, John goes. Oh, let me take that over again.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and and yeah. honestly, I, that's that's kind of where I was going with it. It was like because we had so much freedom and and like to try whatever whatever it is we wanted to try in any given scene, whether it f- fell flat or not. Like there, you know, we kind of put it all out on the table, and and. You know, you walk away and, and as Daryl said, that, that that kind of stuff happens on the day. So if I if I ever felt like, you know, I didn't really nail that take or I didn't really that didn't land. That joke didn't land the way I wanted it to land. Um, it, it was such an open atmosphere where I I could just literally look over at Daryl and, and shake my head and he'd be like, Okay, we're gonna go again <laughs> well, and, so- and he would let us go again and, and until we were confident. So I think
2: Sorry, Dan. To, no no, it's okay. I just wanted to add to that because I I don't know if your if your listeners care about this, but I do find it interesting the relationship that like an actor and a director have. Um for me it's interesting, but the idea is that they're like like I said John and and the other cast like there's times when they feel like yeah. I, look, I'm not going to speak for John, but from my point of view, they would be like, I could see after a take that they're not happy with it. Or, or literally you would say, can I have another one? And, you know, some, you know, in times when I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do it. But there are also times when I believe that sometimes the actor is overly critical of what they're doing and they're, they might be, you know, over analyzing what they did or did they hit that line right or whatever. And it's also for me, it's my job as a director to come in and say, it's good, man. Like trust. So in a weird way, there's a trust both ways. And I think that's what really worked well on this project is, you know, I trusted the actors to trust their instincts and try stuff. But I'd like to think that the actors trust me to tell them like, hey, I know you think that that wasn't good, but it's good. Or, or sometimes, and I know John, you guys probably hated me saying this, it's good enough because the other side (laughs) of the coin is the other side of the coin is, you know, we have just pure cinematics. We have five and a half hours roughly of, of interactive cinematics. So there are some times when also the job is we need to get footage in. And so not every scene has the time to spend the attention to detail, you know, so there are some scenes where it's like, Hey man, that's all I need. That's all I need for the edit and that's all I want you to give me right now because we have this other scene later that you're going to have to really pour yourself into and I don't want to wear you out on this. So that again is it's a balancing act as a director to know when to give them the extra take or to say, you know what, man, it's great. Don't worry about it. And usually, John, I don't know if you think this, but (laughs) it's usually like I can see your look back at me going like, really, really? really that yeah. that's good enough that's your standard wow Come and then i see, on, man. I, see <laughs> I see your trust in me drop and then it's like <laughs> mm, okay and then that's, you know, the, then they fire me and the other director comes in and goes we got like five more of them <laughs> <laughs> that is one
1: of the hardest things though is to let go of your own your own ego in that sense in a way because we are actors are our own worst critics and, and daryl's right like we're we can be incredibly hard on ourselves but with a project like this and I, I think you you asked earlier i have been myself a lifelong gamer i've been playing games since i was old enough to to pick up a controller I, I started with the original uh original nes it was and i've i've been playing i still play games to this day so it's you know i'm entrenched in that
0: industry and what system did you get the uh, game on or which system you I I
1: have it on. uh, Yeah, I have uh, I have it on uh, Xbox Series X. I was lucky enough to uh, to grab a pre order for one of those PS5. I'm still working on. They're hard to find.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I have it on a PS5 that I paid five million dollars for the PS5. So (laughs) I hope the game is good. (laughs) Sorry, shouldn't say that. Uh,
3: Somewhere out there, the Nintendo Switch is weeping. <laughs> I have a Switch too. <laughs> I was genuinely I have not played it on the Switch but I've wanted to. And that's the end of that story.
0: Well no, I was going <laughs> to s- so I like I like the portability of the Switch. So it is very great when you know like you could play things on the go, but I mean like you said, just growing up with consoles sometimes it just brings the kid out in you and you're like, "Hey, I just miss playing on the TV, you know?" So it's uh, definitely not yeah, a
2: bad I, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a go into my basement cave to play my games like <laughs> I'm a <laughs> creature of habit
3: now obviously right now you know we're slowly getting back into the uh, convention scene and cosplay is a major part of you know Marvel and just video games in general and I'm curious how excited are you guys to see the cosplay interpretations of the characters from this game I'm so I'm excited.
1: In a, I'm going to cosplay as Gamora. <laughs> nice. Really? <So laughs> nice. I was going to say Groot because I could so yeah. see you, you just guys, standing there.
2: The camera's not on, but he's got green face paint on right now. Oh, he's yeah. just training. Hubba yeah. hubba. <laughs> Are there any plans to no, g- make a I, game I sh- where you play as
0: Groot? I mean, come on now. We all love Groot.
2: I shouldn't. I don't know if I should admit this or not, but I remember like looking at some of the designs of the characters when we were starting this thing. And as a as a gamer, I was like, Oh my God, I cannot wait to see somebody's cosplay of these these designs because they're phenomenal. Like I, I absolutely love the designs of the characters in our game. Like love them. So like shout out to the art department at IS Montreal, because it's beautiful.
1: Oh yeah. I've already seen I've already seen stuff online of people posting images of cosplaying as as the different characters. It's it's incredible how passionate cosplayers are. And like it, it, it's mind blowing. I I don't know how they do it. They put so much time and, and brilliant effort into making these costumes. I'm excited to. Uh, I'm I'm hoping. I'm crossing my fingers when the cons come back. We can we can be there and and see some of these live, because I'm sure they're
3: they're epic. I mean, out of all of the characters, yours is the most uh, uh, socially distance friendly, especially with the mask. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> built in
1: uh built in protection on the mask.
3: One thing that, you know, I'm really looking forward to, you know, they did it with the uh with the Sony or the the Gamerverse in general, they made figures for the uh Marvel Legends of Spider-Man, Avengers, and I'm s- patiently awaiting or maybe impatiently awaiting the Guardians of the Galaxy wave because you could do a whole set of the figures and have Groot be the build-a-figure. Why not?
1: Oh yeah eagerly waiting those as well and crossing my fingers for them.
3: <laughs> and, you know, once again, I love how there are, there's so many different changes. And one of the biggest changes again is with John Starlord with the origin of the character's name. I think the decision to have it mm-hmm. be based on, you know, an eighties an hair metal band is such a smart decision and also just incredibly Star Lord.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, we got a, we got a shout out, um, Steve and Johan, who who created and and produced that album, because it is it is incredible. I remember I remember I remember them playing them uh, samples of the music as they were creating it while we were shooting and just being completely blown away. And it's I don't think correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if something like this has ever happened for a video game outside of, um, you know, like composing for the game itself.
2: I'm not sure either, but I, again, like if if you knew our creative director uh, Jean-François and Steve, the audio director, you'd know why that happened. Like both yeah. of them grew up listening to metal in the '80s. Steve still plays in a band; he's played for 30 some years in a in a band. So, and Johan, who is also our kind of audio guy on the shoots, he also is like a a music producer and plays in a band and is like a a king of shredding on the guitar. So, so it's, it just seemed like, I don't know, it's like a, like, like a perfect storm of people were, were kind of on this project that could realize that album. And it's a, it's a great album. I mean, I grew up again, like I'm the youngest, uh, like the second youngest of five but my older brother was a massive metal head and we shared a room so i got introduced to like 80s metal at a young age and like steve and i have had like thousands of talks and in, in the audio booth even before this project started about our band what favorite bands we had or what we were listening to when we were younger and i just i have Honestly, so much respect for him and Johan for this album that they created because it's it's not only awesome from a musical standpoint, but it's so on point for the for the era that it came came
3: in. It's yeah. it's amazing. Now in regards to the game itself, one of the things a lot of people were surprised about was the lack of downloadable content other than, you know, the costumes, there wasn't a continuation of the story. Could that possibly mean there is a possibility of a sequel down the line. Can I ask that (laughs) you can ask, (laughs)
2: um, and we can avoid, like (laughs) I have, I, I, I have the Marvel, like red dot on my forehead right now. So, um, right now we're just really excited to, to, you know, have this out and people enjoying it. And that's, you know, that's what we're focused on at this moment.
3: I mean, we could probably, you know, maybe we could convince uh, Tom Holland or uh, Mark Ruffalo to <laughs> yeah, uh, say something. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> Kevin Feige will get his hat in an uproar. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I will definitely say one more time this is one of those games I was beyond hyped to get the game, get my, you know, grubby little mitts on the game, and. It has honestly exceeded my expectations, especially from a musical standpoint. Again, earlier I had prefaced you know, the whole, it's got to be a leak before 1970. That's the cutoff. I mean, 1979. But I'm like, I love the decision of everything in this game. And again, making it its own unique identity. And when it came to the music, what were some of the choices of songs that you know you saw in the game that you're like, wow, that is a perfect fit for this game?
2: Well, for actually, I'll tell you one of the moments where I thought, and if you guys will allow me this anecdote, where I was really like, "Oh man, I think we might be onto something here. Like, we're doing our own thing." Is we had uh, one of the early sequences we started to develop was the um, the plan scene in the in the Milano living room where they're trying to decide who to like, what monster to sell, mm-hmm. and I knew when we were building that scene because Steve and I literally sat next to each other in the office. So, you know, I was obsessing about that scene because we had this transition from inside the Milano cockpit to outside flying through space. And I knew at one point, I'm like, oh, I this is the perfect moment to have some type of really cool music transition here, okay? And so I was talking with Steve and I'm like, look, man, like, do you have anything that, cause I know he was gathering music for the for the actual, the licensed tracks. And so he goes, yeah, yeah, I think I have something. And so he goes away and like the next day he sends me a file and it's the hot chocolate track, right? And I was like, <laughs> and so I cut it into the, the, the scene And at that moment I was like, Oh, okay. So Steve is picking awesome music for this. Cause what I liked is he, they ran the gamut of the eight, the era, the eighties. Right. And again, I think, and I don't want to speak for JF our creative director, but they had a cutoff as well. Similar, right. It was like between this year and this year. Okay. It has to be kind of, and you know, I, I give credit to Steve and, and, and JF like, the tracks they chose, I felt covered again, being a child, a young child of the eighties, it covered the breath of the music that was out at that time. Right. So you have, you have your like metal, like maiden and stuff like that. Then you have your, like my favorite track, favorite, 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 because Steve knows this is one of my favorite tracks from that era is the, um, autograph, turn up the radio. I mean, this is so hair metal from that time. But then you also had like this new wave stuff. Like you have the Gary Newman, the cars stuff. And then also, you know, you got new kids on the block, which a lot of people thought, oh, wait, that's the 90s. And it's like, no, that came out like 89. (laughs) And so you're like, so what I liked about it for me for the music is it didn't just pick one genre of music. It encapsulated the 80s feel like and it really I mean, then you've got like Pat Benatar and you've got like I mean there's so like you've got soft cell in there. I mean there's so many artists and it what what I found really lovely about it is as an old older guy getting cynical about music these days.
0: Me you know, and you both uh, <laughs> yeah
2: so <laughs> I I I I was so nostalgic because I was like oh yeah man like on any day on the radio at any point you could hear a ton of this, or if you went on to MTV or whatever, or, you know, in Canada, we had video hits. That's back. That's a deep cut for maybe some people, but, but you would hear like these tracks, but everybody seemed to have playtime. You know what I mean? Like whether it be Bonnie Tyler or it was Joan Jett, or then it was something to Iron Maiden. I mean, Iron Maiden might've been on the the further spectrum on metal, like metal hour on much music, which is a Canadian program that was, but, um, but what I loved about the music is, it it, it covered everything from that generation really well, I thought.
3: And one of the things that I want to say for this, and this is the biggest compliment I can give, you know, as a diehard fan of music and as a diehard fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy in general, the scene, and I was hoping you would not mention it just so I could bring it up on my own, but <laughs> the uh, the scene <laughs> involving a flock of seagulls where we're seeing the ship flying, the Milano flying, and... I, one, I had goosebumps Two, I had seen the scene during the, uh, prior to the embargo lifting. And I'm thinking to myself, I really hate that. I can't talk about why I love this scene right now for like the next five days. <laughs> Three, um, uh, my favorite part about that is it's not just my favorite part of the game. It's my favorite. One of my favorite moments involving the Guardians in general. And this is up there with, you know, Guardians 2 when you see them all walk out to Fleetwood Max the chain. Like, that's on par with that for me. And whoever decided to play that song over that scene, A++++ will eBay again 100%.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well again I, I got to give a shout out to to Steve Shipkowski our audio director because I feel like the reason why I told you that anecdote about the the hot chocolate track on is that I I I think and I, I'm speaking for him but I think he would agree is when we cut that track in when he and I were kind of like messing around with that it was kind of a moment where we felt like oh my god okay we're onto something here and then Steve went on to kind of run with that, where he just had this knack for we would discuss a scene and, uh, you know, I'd discuss a tone that we we're looking for and he would find the track for it. Like, I have so many moments, like the um, tainted love when when Peter and and Carell are having that wonderful scene and then it transitions from, he throws down the cuffs and Chewy and it's tainted love. And, um, you know, then, of course, I don't want to spoil it, but the end Magus with one of the probably probably the arguably the biggest 80s anthems, you know, with Europe. You know, he just he had this knack now to find the right song for the right moment. And I, I mean, so kudos to Steve. It was it was beautifully done. It was beautifully executed.
3: I also enjoy yeah. the fact that you guys found a way to be able to in 2021 and you did it successfully Manage to Rickroll every single <laughs> one of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't. Know. But what's weird is I, I see that all uh, over the internet. Like the oh, they Rick Rolled us. But I have no idea from my my point of view. Maybe from the creative director, that was in his mind. But I don't think we ever set out to do that. It was just like, well, hey, Rick Astley was part of this era too, and. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could get that song? Because it, I mean, it's an, there's a reason why it still has life. It's an iconic song. So (laughs) good. So we didn't, I don't think we, I didn't at least actively plan that, but the way it worked out was, you know, know, maybe we should take the credit as like, oh yeah, just like we planned it. (laughs) We knew it, but.
3: Would you say in a way you guys were relentless in getting the track to the point where you were never going to give it up, never going to let it down, <laughs> never going to turn around and desert all of us?
2: Yes, that is, that's great, dude. <laughs> uh. Uh, you know, actually what was amazing is John, you might remember this, but yeah. when the the ad, the YouTube ad came out with Rick Astley, actually like, you know, like, controlling the I don't know if you guys saw it but controlling the internet with his rickroll do you remember yeah. John watching that when we were shooting was it no was it oh no that was me I don't think no was me. I'm sorry I was in shooting something else after Guardians and we all somebody said hey you got to see this and we watched that I didn't know that that was coming out either the marketing team had been working on it and uh, we were on to another project I gotta say that was classic like when that ad is my f- single favorite ad for almost any video game ever. <laughs> but it's because of Rick Astley.
1: I remember when he, re- he revealed himself and I was like, no, <laughs> Larkin, way. <laughs> Same
3: for me. Personally, I also enjoyed the fact that you guys incorporated Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero. And when the trailer dropped, I remember it was like a span of... 24 to 48 hours that song was used in your game it was used in a trailer for kevin smith's uh he-man uh and the masters of the universe and there was a third one but it's like damn bonnie tyler is really getting royalties this week
2: (laughs) (laughs) clean it up it's crazy because uh, you know it's weird how music though just can be cyclical do you know what i mean like where yeah, mm-hmm. we like obviously we have no idea what Kevin Smith is doing in, you know, his creative pursuits. And, you know, but it's weird that just in the span of a week or so, that track just was relaunched into into kind of like the the, the zeitgeist. <laughs> you know, it's like, boom, here you go. Yeah, that was cool. I mean, at the same time, you're kind of like, oh, shit, really? They're using the same song as us. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. <laughs> Great track, though. <laughs>
3: Gentlemen, I want to say thank you once again from all of us at The Marvelists. We really appreciate everything you guys have done, and we're looking forward to what comes next and wishing nothing but continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you for having
1: us.
2: It was an absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. I, honestly, I wish we had – these things always seem to go very fast. So
3: Yeah. Well, obviously, you guys have an open invite to come back anytime to talk. You know this. You know future games, Marvel in general, or you know if you want to, you know, talk about uh, you know Bonnie Tyler albums uh, you're spinning lately. <laughs> we don't mind. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll tie it into Marvel. Uh, uh, Rick Jones and Hulk listen to a Bonnie Tyler album. Good enough. <laughs> How can people get a hold of you guys on social media, John Daryl?
1: Uh, I'm on pretty much all of the socials. I don't know how there's a lot of them, but uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, TikTok is all pretty much just my name, John McLaren. I also uh, stream on Twitch a few times a week. If anybody's interested in uh, catching a live stream at uh, John McLaren IRL, I'm on YouTube at John McLaren IRL. Just look me up and I am there.
2: Uh, For me, I'm on far less social medias. Um <laughs> I'm uh, I'm on pretty much mostly Instagram. I think it's just under Daryl maybe underscore Purdy. Um and I'm on Facebook like every old person. <laughs> and I'm just under my name. Again, Daryl Purdy.
0: And TJ, what about you? Well uh I kind of don't like getting yelled at or a caught on social media. So yeah, I'm there somewhere. Could yeah. find them on Google. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Now, also, by the way, before we go, that Guardians of the Galaxy game, is it available? I think it's out somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somewhere please, in the
1: Marvel please.
2: Universe. It, I, I bet it would make a wonderful Christmas present for somebody. For many people.
1: You could send me a copy. I didn't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> for the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm TJ Farmer. I'm Daryl Purdy. And I'm John McLaren. Excelsior